Buffs Nation. What's going on? Welcome back into the Buffs Nation podcast. Feeling a little better. I mean, it's off a of bye week, right? So there's no loss, nothing bad going on. It's it's all good in Boulder, at least the last six days, seven days. I'm Tyler Walgy. He's Jared All. Jared, how you feeling? You're right. It is a different vibe it, it, like it was coming weird. in here, not having a, a loss this weekend. I'm used to pouting on Sunday, going over all these what should we have done on Monday, and you know, it's just a little bit of a different week. It's 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 refreshing not to be worrying about that. Also, did you catch the Texas A&M-Alabama game? Mm-hmm. So, Texas A&M, for those who didn't watch it, beats Alabama by three points, also beat CU by three points, so... See, you and Alabama are like the same. <laughs> Transitive much. properties. Yeah, pretty much the same. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's actually depressing seeing what some of these other schools are doing. And uh, Well, and, and A&M had, I think, lost two games straight after beating the Buffs and yeah. were unranked going into that game. So it's, it's almost like, I don't know, I feel a little bit satisfied just by association. Like, hey, we hung with that team. I mean, look, we have to find little victories this <laughs> season wherever we can, I guess. But see you one and four going into the bye week last week. You know, things were somber. You know, the mood was not up here to say the least. And we, as well as everyone else in Buffs Nation, thought there needed to be changes made. Now, some people thought there needed to be coaching changes. Some people thought there needed to be personnel changes. Doesn't seem like a whole lot was altered. But according to according to a Carl Durrell, there have been a couple things they will change. Now, what's not changing uh, Darren Chivarini will remain the play caller. But here, I'll just give a quote uh, from Carl Durrell here. Quote, There's no change in terms of the dynamics of what we're going to do offensively or defensively in their roles from, play, from a play-calling standpoint. It's just the detail of how we're prepping our guys. We've done some adjustments. We're giving more responsibility to other people on the staff. But in terms of play-calling, it's going to remain the same. So what this means to me is maybe there's going to be little changes here or there, little tweaks to the offense, little tweaks to the preparation, but it doesn't sound like a whole lot was really done. What this seems like is Carl Durrell wants everyone to think there was change when really there wasn't much change done Yeah, at all. I have to say, if you're sitting there as Carl Durrell and you truly believe that it's tweaking the preparation and how you're prepping your guys is what is lacking on this team right yeah. now, you're even more lost than I thought. But that's the and thing is, is is you're exactly right. When you're there's some things during the course of the season that need to be changed. I don't care whether you're Alabama or a, a mid-level school like Ole Miss, Missouri, or you're a bottom of the level, you know, F- FCS school. There's going to be natural changes to a season where you're going to have to adjust, you're going to have to grow, you're going to have to go through injury. But Carl Durrell seems to be focusing now on the details, which he should have been focusing on in training camp or yeah, spring training back, back or, in April. Exactly. I spring training. I'm, my mind's on baseball a little bit right now, but you get the idea. Before the season is when you work on those details, and it's not like Carl Durrell's never done this before. He's coached at UCLA, offensive coordinator at several schools. He's been in the NFL. So I, I, I guess my point here is we'll see through the next couple weeks. I don't think this, this Arizona game coming up is going to show us much, and we'll talk about that here in a few minutes. But I'm okay if these little tweaks lead to the major changes we need to see. But I have a feeling you, we need major changes to see major changes on the field, which may mean changing the play caller, changing the staff, changing your quarterback. I don't think any. And of that's I haven't heard happen. any indication that they're making a move at quarterback, no. unless I've missed something. I mean, I haven't heard anything. Haven't read anything. I would like to see Drew Carter, and honestly, I wouldn't mind see. I would actually love. 
if CU's holding it close to the vest, Drew Carter's going to go play, at least it's like they're doing something. At least they're trying something. Uh, let's be honest. If there's a game the rest of this season that CU should win, they're a seven-point favorite. Uh, more than that now. It's going game. up. It's going almost up? eight-point favorite. Arizona hasn't won a game in like, Two years going on now. With, with the shortened season last year, I think they went 0-4. for they're going 0 for so far this year, and frankly, haven't looked competitive. Their starting quarterback goes down in last week's game. Oh, well, hang on, we'll, we'll so, get to Arizona in a minute because there's a lot to dive in for Arizona. What to expect this game? This is likely the only game we expect the Buffs to win for the rest of the season. But I want to go through a couple more things that Carl Durrell said because it seems like again he's saying nothing by trying to dodge questions and and. It's kind of like, it's really funny. I I listen to the Dan Patrick show, and they make fun of reporters these days who say a lot without really saying anything. And so they have one of their producers, uh, Seton, they call him uh, Jimmy Jimerson. And they're like, all right, let's see what Jimmy Jimerson has to say about this. And he does a funny little thing where he'll say nothing by saying a lot. And that's what Carl Durrell is doing here. Another quote from him. And again, these are all all these questions directed at Durrell are about the changes. What can we expect to be different? You've let down this program now for the, the year so far. Another quote from Durrell. Hopefully the changes we made are going to help us play more efficient, more effective football. We've addressed a lot of things. Coaches' roles in terms of the expectations. The expectations we set for our players. They've owned up. They can be better. So far, so good with that mindset of addressing the issues that are in front of us. So we're moving forward with the subtle changes that we did make. So again, alluding to these subtle changes but not being specific about anything, that to me says maybe it was, and and there's so much that goes into this, but maybe it was adjusting the play sheet. Maybe it was a a little third down tweak, a red zone tweak. I don't think it's very much at all in terms of... I know you like analogies, Tyler, and here's the one I got for you. What I'm hearing from Carl Durrell is like a parent that uh, you know finds uh, maybe some alcohol in their 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 teenager's room or some uh, illegal substances and they say ah I'm gonna sit down with them we're gonna have a talk we're gonna we're gonna chat tell them why this is bad why it's not good for them and they come away with it going yeah that was effective yeah they're gonna they're gonna really really take away from this uh, this talk that we had they're definitely not gonna <laughs> use that stuff anymore. Right? Yeah. And like and then the teenage <laughs> yeah. kids like, "Okay, mom, okay, dad." Like, "All right, I'll hide it better you next got time." It. Right, exactly, right? <laughs> and I've never had to go through that myself None personally. Of us, ever. No, we've no. never been there. At least it's legal now. Perfect angels. Uh, look, it's 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 what we've seen so far. The first 5 games in the buffs is inexcusable. I mean, this roster is so much better than the product we've seen on the field. Now, I've said, you know, I've pretty much sold my stock for the coaching staff, at least the head coach. I think his track record, Carl Durrell's track record as an offensive coach goes back and is too tainted and too checkered for me to be excited about a turnaround or really, mo- or, you know, expecting good, you know, things to happen for the Buffs this year. But we have no option but to move forward. And as a Buffs fan, um, I just hope that we start to gain some momentum and see how things go this weekend against Arizona. It is worth noting, you know, Jared mentioned the close game against uh, A&M. Things kind of fell off after that. I mean, C lost the next game 30-0 to zero against Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota and really haven't rebounded since. Losing to Arizona State 35-13 last week uh, or two weeks ago, 37-14. But, you know, it was interesting. I was thinking about this this weekend. If the Buffs did beat, beat A&M, who knows what that does to the the mojo of this team, the preparation. I mean, I'm not saying they're suddenly 5-0, and 
but it just changes a lot. You know, you look at them on the sideline, they're dead, there's no emotion, and you wonder if one win against the top 10 team changes everything for the season. Now, Brendan Lewis in the subsequent games has thrown for 55, 67, and 162 yards. Hopefully that changes. That sounds like a good few drives, actually. Yeah, I mean, while I was looking at uh, the statistics for um, Arizona's quarterback, and it's like, okay, he's thrown for... I'll pull it up here. Um, as a team, Arizona's thrown for 1,300 yards this year. 1,300. So he's at about, what, 450, 500? It's right around there. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not... I mean, even if you look at the freaking CSU Rams. Oh, stop. Don't, don't. I'm sorry, but, like, they have a quarterback who can throw the football. It's really... You get jealous. Their their total offense is 128 out of 130 teams. So. CUs? Yeah. I mean, it's horrible. I, I'm actually, like, shocked they aren't the worst. Like, I really <laughs> yeah. After what I've watched for the last month plus, I'm shocked they're not the worst. Have you guys ever seen an offense this bad in Boulder? Never. No. I mean, think about this. I, I like to, to compare it to the Dan Hawkins days, Cody Hawkins days, where, I mean, that's the worst he's been in a long time. But that offense moved the football. For, as hell, Cody Hawkins left the school as the leading passer. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it wasn't that bad. So the whole idea of like, oh, those were the dog days of CU. These are the dog days of CU. And well, see, I, 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 I kind of liken it to a, a perfect meld of the Dan Hawkins era and the Embry era where the performance on the field isn't great there's your dan hawkins era and then the locker room and the sidelines are in complete disarray that's the Embry era but the Embry era how long did that last for i think a year and a half yeah i was thinking a year two that's years what needs to like, happen here i mean rick now, george has to show that he cares about this I, program i, I want to ask you and i don't know where you're going with the next topic here before we get on to arizona and stop me if you if this is something no, you want to discuss as we move forward but is there any part of you guys that actually believes rick george is even close to pulling this plug I mean, I hope that he is, and I hope he's just not letting it out there public. But in my opinion, the quicker you make the decision, the better it's going to be for you to start talking to new candidates. Um, I hope that Rick George makes a move because it should be so clear that you see other coaches get jobs and immediately start winning. Carl Laurel's look looking worse every week. So I think you got to make a decision. And as the AD, it's a tough decision to make, but... To answer your question, Jared, I'm not seeing any indication he's going to. I mean, I'm not seeing nothing that a move is going to be made at all. Yeah, neither do I. I, I don't see any uh, any wheels moving towards that direction. I don't see, you know, I, I guess there's other things that might go into it. You know, the promises they've made to commits. Um, uh, I'm, I'm looking at his contract right now. And that's what I'm curious about. It goes through 2026. So that's another five seasons or four seasons after after this year. You're not going to see the end of that contract. And, I guarantee and, and you that. And I, I bring it up because, you know, I was listening back to last week's show, Tyler, and and you were very strong in your, you know. Yeah, I was pissed last week. You were week. calling for it. <laughs> was you hot. were calling for it, and I was there with you. I, I, had no, I had no reason to try to talk you off of that ledge. And then I started thinking more and more. I'm like, I don't think that this athletic department is is even close to in that same mind frame. Now, they obviously are looking at the product on the field and they're seeing it's not successful, but I 
I just don't see a scenario, and it, I, I, I hate to say it's unfortunate that CU plays a couple of weaker opponents coming up in the next couple weeks because we obviously want to see CU win. We all are here. We do this show because we love CU football. We like seeing them win games. They play probably their two weakest opponents in the next two weeks in, in Arizona and in Cal. Cal, I think, has one win. Arizona has zero. At least we get Pac-12 opponents. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Northern, uh, Northern Colorado aside. Um if CU goes and gets two wins in that, hey, that's great. I'm glad to see that. It's it's better for the program, but there's no way. If, if CU goes and gets two wins, there's no way Carl Durrell's gone this season, I don't think. But I that's a, don't. that but just because we're playing Arizona and Cal, I think we have the uh the automatic, you know, could we the go to to say, oh, we're gonna beat them. Because CU's just as bad as they are this I year. Know. So it's kind of like this default that we have, well, Arizona's really bad. You know, Cal's really bad. The Buffs haven't looked great so far. And, and you're right, if we do win these two games. But I think also, if we win these two games, maybe things are turning around. Maybe these subtle adjustments sure. that were made in, in, in the bye week are working. So it depends on how we win. If we're losing, if the Buffs are down 10-7 and they get a fumble recovery for a touchdown to win 14-10, I'm not going to feel great about the win. If the Buffs go out, run for 200, Brendan Lewis actually throws the football <laughs> and we get, you know, 150, 200 in the air and win, you know, 24 to 10, 24, 13, that's a whole different story. This team started to turn the page. It looked like a better team. So, you know, I think it's about how we come out and look in these next couple of weeks. But I think you're right. If we do win, he's probably sticking around. But that's okay. Look, I don't think that it's essential you fire Darrell midseason. As a matter of fact, the Buffs could use a year of stability around here, fire him at the end of the year, and start over then when the coaching carousel is well in, in in motion. So I don't have a problem with that. Why do I have a problem Recruiting with? never stops, though, and I think that's why it's important. And I think when you look back at this last year's recruiting class, it was okay. Right. And, and you know, I don't I don't get too caught up in the numbers and the ranks and the stars, uh, but not, not a ton of those guys are, are getting on the field early. Um, you also got to keep in mind, a lot of these guys that are playing – aren't guys that Darrell brought in. So you do have to keep that in mind, See, too, something we talked about so last week. So many of these players wanted to come play for the c- no. current coach of Michigan State. Yeah, I'm not going to say his name. <sighs> I, I almost did. And don't uh-huh. don't even look at their record because it just makes you no, sick. We're not going to talk about that. We're, we're not going to even go there. But We've moved is on. <laughs> is a lot of these players came to play for him. And so, you know, I think Darrell did a good job of holding them here. No, 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 guys. Hey, hey, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. And the 4-2 and two season last year helped out. The Alamo Bowl. Hey, guys, stick around. I have a really bad feeling that the transfer portal is going to be wild right. this year. And, and that's where I guess I'm going with that is I, I think from the athletic department as fans – you kind of have to look a little bit beyond wins and losses in this season. And regardless of where you end up, wins and losses, you have to think, is this the guy that's taking us to the next level, that's bringing in the sure. talent that can get us there? Well, and, you know, before the season started, we lost, you know, a, a, a few, you know, really good pieces um, on both sides of the ball, two transfers. And when it happened, I kind of just chalked it up to, oh, you know, they didn't want to fall in line to Coach Durrell's right. kind of, uh, you know, his philosophy and his take on things. And now I kind of question, did those guys kind of see the writing on the wall and like, I'm getting the hell out of here? I think they may have. I really think that was a possibility. And when you, here's the thing, when you're in the locker room, it's such a different feeling. TV interviews don't matter. Radio interviews don't matter. Nothing really seems to have too much of an impact, but in the locker room, when you're around Darrell, you know the, the the direction things are going. It's 
it's it's it's so much more telling when you're around it. So I think you're right, Ryan. These guys leaving wanted to, to jump ship. I don't really blame them after what we've seen so far. And I also want to be clear about something. I'm very careful and hesitant to criticize coaches. I mean, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't criticize play calling. There's so much nuanced detail that goes into play calling. I mean, I heard Trent Dilfer talking about this weekend. Trent Dilfer has probably forgotten more football than I know. And he's talking about what morons people sound like criticizing play calling. And look, I think that we all as fans have a right to say, "Mm, too conservative or "Mm, too aggressive. But to say, I hate that draw, you should have called a screen or anything like that. We don't know so many factors. Look, we don't know where they are on the play sheet. We don't know what their current scheme is. We don't know if they're setting this drive up for the next drive. There are so many things. And, and play callers these days have gotten so sophisticated and so smart. Just stop. Just, just with the play calling, with the, you know, be a good... I understand. That's what fans do. Fans short for fanatic. But there's a certain point that a lot of fans cross, especially on social media, where just like, I understand you're unhappy with the team, but let's stop nitpicking every little thing here. And so my point here is, I know we're kind of going off. I want the Buffs to look like they've cleaned some things up going into Arizona. We'll preview that game coming up here, but Jared, that's important to me. Clean up the mistakes. Show that you've gotten through to Brendan Lewis. If he throws three interceptions in the first half, guess who's going to be happy? Me. Because he's throwing the freaking football. So I want to see the changes, and I want to see it result in in the Buffs looking good against Arizona. Fire. I, I want to see some fire out right, on that so, field. So let's get to uh, uh, the Arizona game here in just a minute. Before that, we have this day in Buff's history. But before that, I have some numbers. I was looking up Rick George's salary. And Rick George is making $1 million per year until 2025, I think it was, 2026. What did I say earlier? 2026, okay? June 2026 is when his contract's up. He's making a mil per year, okay? Call that a stack, Oh, not, fat not stack. a bad gig there. Okay. The total approved budget for the uh, CU coaching staff combined uh, 3200000 Okay. So the entire coaching staff pooled together makes about three times, a little more than three times what Rick George does. Now, I don't want to... I don't know the numbers nationally. I don't know... How many colleges have an athletic director making more than pretty much every assistant on staff? But what I do know is that, and I mentioned this last week and I alluded to it, is that until CU's regents and those running the school and Rick George, until they're really serious about winning football games and competing at a a high level, I don't think CU's ever going to get there or at least back to where they were not even in the 90s, but early 2000s, where they were competing for, for Big 12 North titles or Big 12 titles, you know. So, you know, guys, we're, we've been CU fans our whole lives. We do this show because we bleed black and gold. We've loved the buffs since an early age. But when you start looking around the country and you see schools like, I mean, I, I don't want to say the Big Ten school, the green and white Big Ten school. There's a few Big Ten schools. Let's look all over way. the Big Ten. ACC, SEC, heck, the Pac-12 is starting to pay their coaches. And so, to me, CU needs to open up the checkbook, or Venmo, or whatever they use these days, (laughs) 
pay these coaches. Crypto. I think they're they're paying them in crypto. Until probably. CU starts to pay their coaches, they're not going to get anywhere. Darren Shiverini, and a lot of people are mad at him right now. He makes I think six hundred thousand a year. I mean, it's crazy that our second highest paid staff member makes six hundred thousand. Think about the roles he's taking on. He's your lead scout. You know your 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 director of scouting. He is your offensive play caller. He is your uh, wide receivers coach. I mean, he ha- wears a lot of hats. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I'm not I'm not here here to criticize you know what what people are worth or what they deserve. But the market bears a lot more than that. And there's a lot of guys out there that are taking on those roles, making a lot more than that. And I think you're absolutely right that you're never gonna get the right people in place if you're not willing to pay for it. And I, and I don't think that's there's any reason to sit here and say Rick George doesn't deserve the salary he's getting. But, no, no, but that's but, not the point. The point is it needs to be it needs to be uh, on the same scale, right? If Ray George is making a million, okay, our head coach should be making two, three million, and you should be paying some assistance one million. The let's rewind, okay? Let's all get in the in the hot tub time machine. Hey, listeners, get onto your skivvies. Let's we're all getting in the hot tub. <laughs> is that too visual? <laughs> all right, but anyway, so let's get in the hot tub time machine. Let's go back to the early two thousands, okay? It's only about twenty years ago, not that long. There's a school on the east coast of the United States that decided they're going to take things seriously. They, and I'll let you guys know who the school is, you can guess if you like. This school, around 2000, I don't have the exact year, increased their football staff budget almost 10 times, okay? They were paying their staff a total, and this is, again, 20 years ago, of about $1.5 million. Then the regents of that school, the higher-ups, the AD, uni- well, I don't know if he was unanimous, they voted to raise the football coach's pool of money from about 1.5 million total to about 10 million total. Now, did this set the school back? Of course it did. Several years, they're having to get new ad sponsors. They're not getting to build on campus like they would, some of the facilities. But guess what happened? They got a great head coach. That head coach got a great staff, was able to pay his staff. And to this day, a lot of them, well, they're still around. Now, some of these guys were hired later on, right? It was just a decision around 2000 that was made, but later on, it enabled the school to grow into a national power they still are today. Do you guys want to guess what I'm talking about? Are we talking Alabama? Clemson. Clemson, okay. Clemson was not a... You guys remember... Yeah. And the, they, they were pretty much in the same level CU is right now. Yep. Back in 2000. Clemson was not a powerhouse. They got no major recruits. They were never in the ACC discussion. They were an average team. But the, the region said... Huh, you know what's important? We see the way things are going. If we're good at football, I think that's an inside track to even more money. So if we raise the uh, amount we're going to pay our staff, even though it's going to raise some eyebrows, we're going to hear from it, I think in the long run it's going to pay off. And you know what? It is. Clemson has more enrollees every year. They get so much more money from TV deals. Clemson's I mean, played in more national championships in the last few years than CU has bowl games. Exactly. And all, that all goes back to a decision to raise how much they're paying their staff. Now, in this article from uh, just a couple months ago, Clemson is reportedly paying Dabo. uh, Actually, that's not on here, but they're paying their assistants $2 million apiece. Tony Elliott and uh, Brett Venables, about $2 million contracts. Now, think about that. Clemson is paying their offensive offensive and defensive coordinators a million more than Colorado will pay their athletic director. And I'm okay if Richard's making a million, but let's get some of that money to the coaching staff. And it's not to be seen. Darren Shiverini making 600000 a year. Should we ask Darren Shiverini to be this amazing offensive coordinator and to step his game up? Or 
Should we go get a new guy and pay him some money? So that's my whole thing. I'm going to stop. I'm not going on any more of a rant here. I talked about this last week, but guys, I just wanted to bring it up again. This is a short-term and long-term thing. I don't think we're going to see any changes unless money is driving the changes. So I had to put that out there. Uh, I think it's very interesting and it's something that doesn't get talked about, I think, enough. All right, before we get on to the Arizona game, Ryan, what do we have for this week in Colorado football history? Well, boys, get into your DeLoreans and get up to 88 miles an hour because we're going (laughs) back to 1928, October 13th. Bill Smith records the first ever 100-yard game in CU history. He rushed for 132 yards and a score in a 21-6 win at Northern Colorado. Bill Smith. How about that? Love Bill Smith. Any relation to you, Ryan? (laughs) No. I know there's not many Smiths out there. (laughs) William Smith. I love Will Smith. He's a great actor, too. (laughs) Getting jiggy with it. Wild, wild west. (laughs) I believe that Will Smith could absolutely run for 100 yards. At least he could back in the day. Yeah. Back in his Fresh Prince days, probably. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He was smooth. There's some of the best Will Smith movies here. Um, uh, Bad Boys. That's a classic. That's a good one. You know what Men I love? Men in Black. Was a good I loved uh, iRobot. Yeah. iRobot was really good. Although if you've read the book, it's very, very different. Oh, don't. Jared's, I read one, books. Jared's one of those people. The book is much better, actually. Actually, no. The book sucked. I hated it. People who say that just want different. you to know they read the book. The book is never better. The book has never once been better. No, it's not true. People it's always not just, true. <laughs> yeah. But I do find it's better to read the book after you've watched the movie because it's hard sometimes to figure out what the hell they're talking well, about in these even books. Even the pronunciation I, I will, yes. <laughs> I'll admit to this. In elementary school, way back in the day, I read one of the Harry Potter books yeah. before they came out, and I pronounced the uh, Hermione Granger, I pronounced it Hermione. Yeah. And so when I saw the movie, they go, Hermione. I'm like, Hermione? I was off this whole time. <laughs> no I was going to Hermione. <laughs> knew, knew it started with an H, though. <laughs> yeah, I was, Samsonite. I was way off. All right. Arizona coming to Boulder this weekend. 130 kick. Folsom Field, Colorado, currently eight-point favorites at home. This is probably the last time CU will be favored all season long. Not sure about Cal. Uh, could be favored in that game, but CU is favored this game by eight points. Now, let's talk about Arizona. They have not won one game on the season. Uh, some close losses. They they lost to BYU by a touchdown. BYU is, what, a top 15 team now? Maybe top 20 after last weekend. Uh, they lost to... Uh, UCLA last week, 34-16, but UCLA scored 17 unanswered. So that was a close game halfway through. Besides that, not a lot of great uh, things this year for Arizona. 41-19 loss against Oregon, 38-14 loss against San Diego State, and then they did lose to in-state Northern Arizona. Are they FCS? Do you guys know? Or are they just like a low FBS? Well, they're not good. Let's just say that much. Northern Arizona, they beat U of A 21-19 this year. So Arizona, not looking good, but they were at least getting better every game. You saw signs of improvement. Uh, Unfortunately for Arizona, their starting quarterback, Jordan McLeod, injured with a season-ending injury last game. Uh, I think it's a knee injury or maybe ankle. Is it both? It was. I think he hurt his knee and ankle. But either way, he's out for the season. And so, you know, that is, I mean, you never want to se- ever like celebrate or even insinuate that an injury is a good thing, but see, you need breaks, yeah. you know, and well, Arizona losing their quarterback could be a, a break. Well, uh, I think we all remember the uh, last time CU played against a backup Arizona oh, quarterback. Oh, crap. Remember, I totally forgot Remember about that horror that. movie? Yeah. That wasn't I great. I forgot he came in as the backup. <laughs> yeah. And, and Ryan's referencing Khalil Tate. <laughs> yep. Who, for like three years straight, just owned the Bobs. Yeah. Still have nightmares well, about him. The thing is, 
this is a very different situation with Arizona Absolutely, than yeah. like a classic quarterback getting injured because Arizona has played three guys this year pretty healthily. Uh, Jordan McLeod, who got hurt, was their kind of new starter. But Gunnar Cruz has one fewer attempt this year than McLeod. And then Will Plummer, I don't think any relation to Jake Plummer, but Will Plummer has uh, 54 pass attempts on the year. So, and just to clarify, Gunnar Cruz has 71 pass attempts. So both these guys, Gunnar Cruz and Will Plummer, have experienced this year. They've played decent when they've been in. Both have thrown two, both have thrown two interceptions, but also two touchdowns, and both have a quarterback rating over a hundred. So, really, I think that it's something to note. This game, Arizona's quarterback will be out, but it's not some massive disadvantage to where if they beat us this weekend, I don't want to hear "see you lost to a team with their backup in." It's not really the same thing here. They've got a lot of competent quarterbacks on their roster. And I think whoever plays, Gunnar Cruz or Will Plummer, will do just fine for Arizona. This is a team, however, who wants to keep things even. They want to run the ball, uh, uh, throw the ball at an even rate. Now, now, so far this year, they've had a little bit more success running than throwing. Uh, they've got two guys they mainly give it to, Drake Anderson and Michael Wiley. Uh, both have uh, at least 180 on the ground this year. Only one rushing touchdown, though, for Arizona. All of their damage in the red zone comes through the air. So far, let's see here, seven touchdowns through the air. No one with more than two. So it looks like they've got... Ooh, they have. They do have a receiver who stands out. So they got one, two, three, four, five. They have six. Arizona's got six guys with at least uh, 10 catches. So they do spread it out and have you know a lot of people who can contribute. But uh, Stanley... Benny Hill the third. Is that right? Stanley Benny Hill or Barry Hill. Barry Hill. Hill. Barry oh, yeah. Hill. Oh, those are ends. Benny. <laughs> I like Benny Hill a lot more. Barry Benny Hill. Hill. Stanley Barry Hill the third, by far their best receiver. 40 catches on the year, 400 yards, one touchdown. And last time, CU saw a team who had one dominant receiver. That was last week. And my God, Drake London, or two weeks ago, Drake London is going to be what, a top 10 pick? After what I Woo! saw, yeah, no doubt. I but mean, it's not just that. What he did against CU, he's done that no, all year yeah. long against everybody. And so he's, he's got been a good. Of that, yeah. So I think that one of the things to watch this game is does Christian Gonzalez match up against match up against Barry Hill the third like he did often against a London, and how does that go? Because I was actually pretty. Uh, I walked away from the USC game pretty happy with Christian Gonzalez. Well, it'll be interesting to see. You know, Darrell talking about some of the tweaks, some of the different approaches. They they went straight up man to man. They did not double uh, Drake London at all. And do do we see the Buffs change their approach, knowing that hey, this is really the one guy we have to watch out for? Do you maybe see some double coverage? You know, some focus more to stop him, or do we see the same approach and hope that uh, Gonzalez can step up to the challenge? Yeah, Gonzalez last week. Was there anyone else in the defense against USC who popped out to you guys or who stood out? I mean, the answer can be no. It doesn't have to. Yeah, I mean, there just was not a lot that did stand well, out. And they kept, throw, they kept throwing to Christian, but I don't think that they were picking on no, Gonzalez. I, mean, I think he just happened to be so covering Drake. Yeah. And uh, I think just really all around the corners looked solid in that game. I know they gave up a lot uh, of yardage and a lot of catches, but the coverage was tight each and every play. Finally forced a turnover, too. Hey, what do yeah, you I like that. Um, so, yeah, this is going to be a big game. I think we are going to ask a lot of the secondary, you know, Mark Perry, uh, Isaiah Lewis, they're going to have to get involved more. Um, obviously, you know, we mentioned Christian Gonzalez. Uh, Makai Blackman, he's healthy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why he's did been I think out that, there, yeah. Um, why did I think that was not the case? Either way, uh, Blackman 
you know, I think he has the only interception this year for the Buffs. Is that right? Yeah, he had that great interception against uh And that's the, against the UNC, that's what you're talking about, right? The pick, right? No, they had one against UNC. Uh yeah, so US or UNC they had the pick. USC uh they had uh, the that fumble, fumble right. on that long run. That's right. That is, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, we we should know they, there hasn't been many bright spots this year. These should just stand out to me. Oh yeah, that's the play. Yeah. I bet Brady Russell, by the way. Yeah. You're talking about a bright spot. Yeah. No, I don't know. Some of these games, you get about halfway through, and like I'm starting to gloss. All right. Man, it's, for the USC ooh, game, it you, I, it just I kind of just gave up. I, I really yeah. did. I was sitting in my seat and I was just like, "Here, we've seen this before." Well, man. and like, and you're watching that game, and halfway through that game, it, you're like. Actually, they're 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 closer, kind of in it. But honestly, after what I've seen of the bus this year, I had very little faith that they had any chance. To yeah, come well, back and, and that I think game. that just goes to show the the inept offense. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's you know the usually you know those are those are where you're going to get your exciting plays. Those are what's going to suck the uh, the crowd into the football game and get them excited. And there's just been nothing. So, well, let's let's talk about the offense because you know I think that. Well, I don't think I know that SC is going to win this weekend and the next couple uh, weeks, they're going to have to score points. That That's clear. Um, and I don't say that because this defense is really disappointing. I mean, this defense has been fine, but we need to see something here. This offense has to start moving the football. Uh, what's something that you guys want to see change, improve? I mean, I'll start and... I think it's clear the running game needs to improve, and maybe that's you know one of your guys's. But I want to see more receivers step up and help Brandon Lewis out. And that's not to say they haven't been able to so far. If anything, I've seen these receivers wide open, and Lewis is just missing them or not throwing them the football. But when you do catch the ball, whether you're, uh, you know, Demetri Stanley or, or, or Brady Russell or whoever it is, getting yards after catch, helping helping your quarterback out, that's going to be so crucial. And last game, you know, Brady Russell, that long catch yep. down the middle, that's what we're going to need. Hitting these guys in stride, getting them, getting them moving after they catch the ball, um, that's what's going to be important. So I want to see more on the outside. I want to see tunnel screens. I want to see getting yeah. the ball outside of these receivers quickly. Hell, throw it to... to uh, uh, Broussard out of the backfield. Right. Put Broussard in the backfield, motion him out to an H-back and throw it to him there. So that's what I want to see. Spread the field out. Yeah, I was going to kind of go to that place too and I want to see more short and intermediate routes. Kind of get the ball out of Lewis's hand, get him some confidence. Um, you know, I, I've watched a couple of these games over again. You know, uh, Pac-12 Network for, you know, say what you want about them, you know, Pac-12 after dark. But one thing I really like is their Pac-12 and 60. They do a whole football game in an hour. And so it gives you a good kind of idea of what went on. And some of these, some of these route combos, they are 15, 18 yards down the field with these receivers. And yes, they may be open, but Brendan Lewis is running for his life as well. So, so, you know, it's kind of a chicken and the egg scenario. What came first? Is he throwing because he doesn't have any confidence? Does he not have any time? A receiver's not getting open? Well, I think it's kind of a mixture of everything. So Mm. kind of just get him some confidence early. And with that, I just don't want to see... And I, the fans are quick to boo with this, as am I. But look, the the leash is so short right now yeah. that what I don't want to see is the first drop back. And I, 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 I'm like conditioned now where I think it, I'm for sure going to see this. But the first drop back that Brendan Lewis has, a quick feet, look left, look right, look left, and he doesn't throw it. And he gets sacked or runs for it. 
That's what I don't want to see. There Make is, a decision. There is no leash anymore. We've literally got the collar in our hands. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> we, we got rid of the leash. <laughs> We're walking with the collar in our hands. Honestly, like if I'm this C Buffs coaching staff, I'm so disappointed in how this team has run the ball this year. And this is not a good team that you're going against in Arizona. And frankly, you shouldn't need to, to win this game behind Brendan Lewis's arm. So go out and win with what you know you can be successful yeah. at. You have proven that Jarek Broussard can be successful. This offensive line is fairly well intact from last year. There's a couple of moving parts and pieces, but this team, if I'm not mistaken, one of his breakout games last year was against Arizona. I mean, Jarek Broussard only has 256 yards in the year. He had games right. with that many yards last yeah. year. I mean, I have got to see this guy break out or give somebody else a chance to do it. Uh, Ashad Clayton only has 20 carries on the season. If these guys ahead of him, Jarek Broussard, Alex Fontenot, aren't doing it, Give the kid a chance to do something. And it's not all in them. I think a lot of it does go to this offensive line. I think that's what's affecting Brendan Lewis at times. I think it's what's affecting this running game. I just want to see this team go out and be a smash-mouth team and win the game that way. Well, it's actually interesting because that's a good point that we and other outlets, it doesn't seem like it's been brought up that much because... Really, when you think about the way CU's built and what they can do well and what we expect them to do well, this should be a team that runs the ball first, is successful running the ball first, and does everything based on that. We're all focusing, and I think partially rightly so, on Shiverini, these horrible plays, the uh, Brennan Lewis not being able to get rid of the football, but really I think a lot of it does come down to the running game. If you can run the football, it makes it so much easier on Brennan Lewis. It makes it so easy to open things up and I agree, Jared. I think the running game is going to be so key and so crucial here. Uh, you mentioned the line, and that's something we got to pay attention to. Uh, I think there's been two games where we've had all five starters so far. Yeah. Nine guys have played on the line. But this is just Groundhog Day to me. I mean, we're going to deal with injuries. The whole thing of, well, the line's hurt. Nah, season's done. Let's uh, forget about this year. Line's hurt. No, the line. Guys, there's been 65 teams who have played as many offensive linemen as CU. Yep. Okay, that's a, that's a lot of teams. Now, I understand. Half of college football. So, you got to deal with it. I know I hate seeing these excuses on cubuffs.com or buffs on or whatever it is. Well, remember, the offensive line's hurt. I get it. It's football. We're dealing with this, okay? Um, and on top of that, uh, you guys hear about Carson Lee? Yes, I did. Yeah. Oh, boy. Carson Lee. As but, if we needed another sour point. I know, I know. <laughs> so, for those who didn't hear... Uh, Carson Lee, offensive lineman for Colorado, is uh, still on the team, but it's really up in the air right now. He's facing felony charges for allegedly punching a man, causing injuries, including a fractured skull. Yeah. So I read the article, and essentially what happened was it was late, there was drinking, he was waiting for his girlfriend or some chick he knew to get home, some girl he knew to get home. She was brought home by someone else who apparently saw her, and who knows, the the accuracy any of this it was just an article i read but apparently someone else saw this woman you know belligerent in the street and offered to get her home carson lee was waiting this guy took her home carson lee didn't like that he's a 19 year old kid i don't know how big he is probably six seven three hundred pounds he's not small <laughs> not a guy you want to go go against exactly and fight. so uh yeah this is not a good look for the buffs and not a good look for carson lee not the right time this is not what CU needed as a team. Uh, I will let things play out and uh, let the legal system take over, but I 
am a host on this show. I think it's it's acceptable for me to give my opinion. If you guys don't agree, you know, you don't have to agree. And if you'd like to contact me, you can reach me at Twitter on Twitter at Tyler Walgy or a follow the show at Buffs Podcast. But I think that there's really no room for something like this within a football team. Uh, people make mistakes, you know, whether it's a DUI, whether it's uh, uh, cl- missing classes or, you know, I, I can live with a lot of mistakes that, that young men make and young adults make. Something like this, though, um, I have more of a, I struggle more to just accept it. And look, I don't want to pretend like I've never been a drunk 19-year-old and made some really bad decisions before. Um but uh, doing something like that, I, I mean, it was written that he punched the guy over 30 times. Yeah. Now, who knows the accuracy of that? You know, who's counting punches really out there? But I think what that's meant to insinuate is that he didn't hit him once. And it was a repeated thing over and over. And again, I know vi- football is a violent sport, but we've seen this all over pro football, college football. When you take that violence off the field and it becomes part of who you are, I lose a lot of respect for you personally. And so... I expect more CU. I expect more of these players on CU. And I personally wouldn't be too upset to see him leave. Look, he's a local kid. I think he went to Creek or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he did. Uh, but this, to me, has no place in the CU, uh, you know, CU football atmosphere. Well, so. and, and we often refer to these players as kids. You know, we're we're all in our 30s now. We, we see these guys that are 10, 12 years younger than us, but... They're adults, right? And and there's there's consequences to your actions when you're an adult. And regardless of your condition at, at the moment, if you're inebriated, and that, that's a mistake. I think a lot of kids, yeah. a lot of young adults and kids make is, well, I was drunk. You know what do you expect? Right? It, it's, we we've all been there. It I know. I know. Each of the three of us have been in situations where we've made terrible decisions. If you get in a car and you and you start the car and drive down the highway, yeah, the next day you can say. Yeah, I was drunk, bad decision. But you're 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 putting other people at risk by with those bad decisions. Carson Lee can say, "Yeah, I was drunk." You put and someone's life at. I, I think at Tyler, days. you said it right. I expect more right. out of the players, uh, play out of the, all of the students attending the University of Colorado. Mm-hmm. I expect more out of people, out of out of humanity, yeah. than than to 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 do these things and then so quick to to just turn and, and, and blame alcohol and that's a decision you made to start drinking that night okay you know? so uh do you guys have anything else to add to add for that or can we move on no, yeah. the page okay um so we had to put that out there it's big news and we didn't want to let that go but um that does relate back to the running game and it is going to be important to see can see you get things going this game and i i firmly believe that it's going to be on the shoulders of the line and the running backs. So uh, my, my main key to the game is, you know, I actually agree with Jared. Let's get the running game going because this could, if the running game gets going, that could be, you know, the, the, that could sort of catapult the buffs into a bowl game. I really think that. Let's pull up their schedule real quick. So CU's got... Yeah. We got Arizona, Cal. Arizona. Oregon State. At Cal, at Oregon. Home against Oregon State, UCLA, Washington, Utah. All right, so... Arizona Cal, let's let's play some hypothetical here, okay? Two and zero, and now we're sitting at three wins. Oregon gonna be tough. Oregon State back home, four wins, and now you need two out of your last three games: UCLA, Washington, Utah. I could see us beating Utah on the road. Who knows about Washington this year? Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's put it this way, Tyler. I need to see a much better team in the next couple of weeks that's, yeah. than what I've seen two weeks ago. That's the point. In, in, in the last month, but I think we can get to this and this kind of area where I was just examining down the road if the running game gets going. Brennan Lewis doesn't need to throw for 200 a game 
if we're running for 400 a game. I know that those numbers may be exaggerated, but the point is, if the, if the defense is terrified about this rushing game, which, why shouldn't they be? What's changed from this year to last year, except we've gotten better and more experienced, <laughs> right? I mean, there should be no change. We should be able to run the football like last year and make teams fear the run, and it should be a hell of a lot easier for Brennan Lewis to throw to open players downfield. So I think everything stems on the running game, and uh, that's going to be important to watch this weekend. All right, let's get uh, some score predictions and anything else we missed. Uh, Jared, do you have anything else to add for this game? Arizona, CU, grab bag here, special teams, kicking, anything. I don't think necessarily on a specifics of how you get it done, but you, as a Buffs team, for your fans, for your players, for your recruits, need to come out and look like the much better team here. Be dominant. Come out from the first snap and look like the better team. I think that is so important, not just to win this game, but to make everyone following this program believe in the direction that you're going in this season and with this staff. So I really want to see this Buffs team come out and play a strong first half, get a lead, and then run and run and run and and, and wear this team down. I, I like the Buffs in this game. I do. I think coming off of a bye, they're going to be fired up. I think they're going to be ready to prove. There's been a lot of talk around Boulder about how bad this program is, how bad this team is. So I think there's something to prove for a lot of guys out there. I like the Buffs. I think it's going to be a closer game than what the spread is predicting, but I do like the Buffs here. I'm going to take them uh, to win 28-23. to 23. Yeah, I love it. Ryan, what do you think here? Uh, thoughts on the game and then score? Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much everything that Jared said is, is true. However, um, you know, I, I don't know whether it's – it's just how this season has gone so far. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to believe anything that comes out of this coaching staff's mouth until I see it. So um, I think that we're going to see a lot of the same, unfortunately. Um, I know Arizona's bad, but uh, I, think, um, I think we're just going to see more of what we've seen. And uh, unfortunately, I think the Wildcats are going to get their first uh, win, and it'll be 16-13. Well, at least the audience knows we keep it real on here. We are not trying to appease anybody. Listen, and, and, and I, I want to I, I pick Colorado to win. I thought we were going to leave this show and all be excited, <laughs> I, and then I, Ryan I, brings I, us I down. want Colorado to win, but I'm telling you, from what I've seen, I've never... Again, I've been going to CU games for 23 years, and I've never seen a team like this before, a coaching staff like this before. And you know what? I'm, I've am i I've been burned, and I'm not going to get my hopes up anymore. I love that you're keeping it honest, and yep. that's one thing that I love about this show and our listeners who have been, you know, uh, coming back for a couple of years. By the way, we love the listeners. We love how you guys have told your friends, and the show is certainly growing. We appreciate all that. Um, but I think part of what Buffs Nation out there in Colorado and beyond appreciates about this show is we're not cubuffs.com. We're not buff zone. We're not affiliated with the school and we're going to keep it real. If the buffs are playing terrible, we're not going to say, well, everyone let's support the buffs. And now we want to support the buffs, but it's not always roses and rainbows not and flowers around here. For them exactly. We want to be honest about what we're seeing. And so far it's not acceptable. I'm a little more optimistic because Maybe I'm naive. <laughs> I was gonna maybe try and back it up, but I'm not. Uh, maybe you're buying. You're buying I, what they're selling. Well, I think we're trying to convince ourselves, Tyler. <laughs> I think we are because it's the bye week, and it's that yeah. if anything's gonna be done, this is the week it's going Absolutely. to be done. If something's not done this week, I think Rick George should make a quick move because you had your bye week, you had your chance. Now let's go show something. 
Um, I do think the CU Buffs can run on Arizona. So far, Arizona, a bottom 20 team in college football in terms of efficiency stopping the run. They're not a great tackling team either. So hopefully we can get some things going on the ground. I'm not super optimistic for Brennan Lewis. As a matter of fact, I would love to see Drew Carter get some time. Um, I would be very optimistic if Drew Carter goes out there, throws the football, looks like a quarterback, like he's done it before. That's what I'd like to see. Uh, am I convinced I'm going to? No, but I will pick the buffs. Close win. We'll go 21-17. I don't think they cover the spread. I mean, my God, you're taking a team that set the Pac-12 record for consecutive possessions without a score, and they're favored by eight points? Woo, you're going to have to get some margin for that one. I mean, <laughs> that's why Vegas sucks here. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I'll go 21-17 in what should be a close game. But, you know, let's just hope the Buffs rebound. Show us all there's something to get excited about. Uh, Buffs Nation, maybe it's not all bad. Let's get a week this. Let's get a win this week. Get back in the wing column. Turn things around. For Jared, I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you guys next week. Buffs Nation. Buffs Nation.